0: The High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor Chris Starr. I want to preach on what I've entitled the ultimate sacrifice. I want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about the cross. I want to preach evangelistically today. And if you're here today and you're not saved or you're backslidden, you're in the right house. While you're turning to Matthew 27, 38, you look good. Good to see everybody here. It's good to see y'all coming back to church. Look for a video this week. I'm going to start, or next week, I'm going to start talking about it's time to get back to church. And I think we're getting herd immunity and people are getting their vaccines. I got mine. I got shot one. I got the second one coming in about a week and a half. And uh, I think I already had it. I'm pretty sure I already had it, but that's all right. I'll be double dosed if you can have that, I guess. But it's just good to be, it? just ain't nothing like church, is there? If there's anything about this pandemic, it made us thank God for church. So Matthew 27, here's what it says. Then two robbers were crucified with Jesus, one on the right and, the, and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. And likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes. And the elders said, notice this, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing you can be seated you've been standing a while thank you i I appreciate I know the Lord does I just as a pastor appreciate your worship this morning so we just had communion we we're, we're singing today about the cross and let me just be honest with you it's very hard to imagine the extent of the suffering of Jesus on the day that he was crucified if you've ever watched Mel Gibson's movie the Passion you get a, a little bit of an understanding because Mel Gibson probably did as good as anybody I've ever seen who has tried to convey what the crucifixion was like, and yet, being a biblical scholar, I can tell you that he still didn't get it all. He still didn't portray fully the suffering of Jesus. And I know that's hard to believe. The Bible describes Jesus' suffering in graphic detail. He was spat on. He was slapped. He was beaten with rods. I'm talking about they hit him as hard as they could. He was scourged, which means he was whipped. The Roman whip had leather thongs coming out of a handle. and At the end of each one was a piece of metal or a nail, metal nail or an acorn-shaped lead ball. And they would take the, the whip and they would lash it into the back of the victim. And the metal would dig into the flesh and then the Roman soldier would pull plowing furrows of flesh out of the back and he'd whip it in again and now there's exposed nerve endings and he'd pull and he would rip pull hit pull and history tells us that the backs were just like hamburger some said some accounts said you could actually look and see the organs inside the the person being whipped I'm gonna throw you some trivia out here you know we've heard for years that Jesus took 39 stripes. You know, there was 40 stripes, save one, 39. That's that's a Jewish thing. It's a Jewish command or a Jewish regiment. The Romans didn't have that. Romans could whip you as long as they wanted to till their arm got tired. Many people died from the scourging and never made it to the crucifixion. So when we sing 39 stripes, it it works good for a songwriter, but sometimes we get it wrong. We don't know how many it was. And and then he was, a crown of thorns was shoved on his head. He was nailed to a cross. It was brutal. The biblical record states that he was disfigured and unrecognizable because of the trauma leveled against his body. Now, that's the crucifixion. That's the cross. That's the, the gruesomeness, the gore. And, and this is a picture from Mel Gibson's Passion of Christ. And, and so, you know, he, he used this to try to convey. And you see him hanging on that cross. And yet, have you ever heard the old saying, adding insult to injury? That's exactly what happened to Jesus. When you add insult to injury, somebody's already hurting, somebody's already down, and then somebody else comes along and just makes things worse. They just... Salt into the wounds, and that's exactly what happened to Jesus. And it's what we read in this text that as Jesus was hanging on the cross, different groups of people were there to heap insult on him. He's bad enough; the guy's being executed. He's fighting for his life, and now you guess you got to make things worse. Rub it in. And so here are the groups. There are bypassers. This is happening outside the city of Jerusalem. So people are walking in and out of Jerusalem, and as they see him, they recognize him. people obviously who were not for Jesus decide this is a good time to to say stuff and so they would say hey you who said you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days (laughs) you don't look like you're doing much right now save yourself and they would walk on they remembered that he would teach that and some of them thought that he actually meant the temple in Jerusalem that's not what he meant it was metaphorical he was talking about his body And he said, you destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. And by the way, he did. They put him in a tomb. Three days later, he came out. That's next Sunday's sermon, right? And then the the Roman soldiers thought they'd get in on it. I mean, they're just standing around waiting for the guy to die. And so they thought they'd jump in. And Pilate put a placard over the cross that said the king of the Jews. And so they said, hey, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Bumping each other laughing. They didn't believe he was the king of the Jews, but he was. Matter of fact, he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. And then the two thieves. Now, let me just show you something here. The two thieves on the cross, both of them, the Bible says, jumped in on it. You said, well, wait a minute, what about one of them? I'll get to that in a minute, but just understand from the beginning, it was not so. From the beginning, both thieves lit into it. Now, they were Jewish guys, so they said, if you are the Messiah, the Christ, save yourself and us too. They didn't think he was the Messiah and they didn't think he could save himself and they didn't think he going to save them. They were just heaping insults on him. You know, you ever met somebody to make, themself, they feel, to make themselves feel better, they start in on you? That's kind of what these guys were doing. But then there's another group, the chief priests, the scribes, the elders. These were probably the members of the Sanhedrin, which was the ruling council of Israel. They were there. These were the people who ultimately put Jesus on the cross. They were the ones that had a kangaroo court and unjustly found him guilty and took him to Pilate and convinced Pilate to have him crucified. They were the ones that envied him and despised him and bitterly hated him. This is what they said. They said, if, or rather this, they said, uh, he saved others. Don't miss this. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. They did not believe that he saved others. They said that in derision. It was an insult. It was a joke to them. He saved everybody else. Look at him. He can't even save himself. It it, it was a taunt. It was a jeer. It was a, it was, what they're saying is you're a fake. You're a fraud. You're a joke. They mocked him in total unbelief. But y'all get this. They didn't realize that they were unknowingly, they didn't realize it, unknowingly, they were speaking the truth. He saved others, but himself he could not save. He did save others. I, I was thinking about the woman caught in adultery. Did y'all notice the man was nowhere to be found? He got a pass. All oh, the women are jumping on that one. Y'all noticed that? Amen, preacher. Come on now, preach. But the woman, she's drugged before them. She's ashamed. She's embarrassed, half-clad. Just, It's a terrible situation. All these men are there, and they've got stones, because under the Old Testament law, I mean, adultery was a, was a crime. So they, would, they were supposed to stone her and kill her, and they're ready. And they bring her to Jesus to try to set him up, and they said, the law says she ought to die. What do you think we ought to do? They wanted to see what he said, because if he said, no, you don't let her go, then they could say, you're a lawbreaker. Jesus just wrote in the ground. Nobody knows what he wrote. but some people said he started writing the lovers of those guys holding the rocks. I kind of like that one. They kept at him. Finally, he looked up. He said, tell you what, if he was Southern, he said, out all y'all, let the one that's without sin cast the first stone. Now, I love the story because it says, starting with the oldest, they started dropping rocks and turning. You know why? Because the longer you live, the more you've sinned. You got a rap sheet. And they were sitting there thinking, yeah, uh, no, I can't hit her, and they start, and I and I can imagine some seventeen year old. He was the last one. Some seventeen year old whippersnapper. He was all fired up, you know, young and he was. A, he's like ready to. He's in the mob, and they're all. Where y'all going? And Jesus looked at him like, really? And he just he he locked eyes with the Son of God. He dropped that rock and took off running, and the woman's there all by herself. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, I don't have any. Greatest, one of the greatest words you could ever hear Jesus say to you, he said, neither do I condemn you. Now go, don't you sin anymore. Aren't those some of the greatest words you could ever hear God say is, I don't condemn you anymore. And then I think about the paralytic. Guy can't walk, you know, and he's carried by four friends. To Jesus and they can't get in because of the crowd and so they carry him up on the flat roofs in Israel and they start digging in and and while they're digging Jesus says keeps te- preaching you know debris falling on top of the crowd but he just keeps teaching and while the paralytic is you know they're digging he's listening while he's listening to Jesus I don't know what Jesus must have been teaching the gospel or whatever but whatever it was this man came for healing But all of a sudden, he starts getting faith to be saved. He said, I need more than just my body healed. I need my sins taken away. he gets his faith. So by the time they let him down with ropes and he's standing before Jesus, Jesus sees that he not only has a faith to be healed, but the guy wants to get saved. And he said, son, cheer up. Your sins are forgiven. Isn't that one of the greatest things God can say to you is, cheer up. Your sins are forgiven. He saved others. Mary Magdalene. Man, that woman, I don't know what that woman was into it'll be interesting when we get to heaven to find out the backstory on some of these people. Mary Magdalene had seven demons in her. I mean, with one demon, that's bad enough, but seven? Could you imagine what she's like? I bet she was wicked and cruel and, oh, and she has an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus loves her, and casts the demons out. It says, you got an eviction notice, and it's today. Get out. You going out, and I'm moving in, and he saved her, and for the rest of her life, she followed him, and served him and, and, and God just transformed her. Let's go back to the thief on the cross because I know some of y'all were going like, pastor, I'm still trying to deal with that thing. Yes, the thief on the cross reviled Jesus. But as Jesus hung there for several hours and he's hearing the crowd and he's seeing the placard that says King of the Jews. And he's listening to the final words of Jesus saying things like father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And this thief who has lived a sinful life is going He's forgiven them. Maybe he is Messiah. Maybe he is God. Wonder if he'll forgive me. And as, as the day goes on the sky from 12 to 3, the sky went black like night. Could you imagine? And there's an earthquake in the grass. And I mean, people are just freaking out. And this thief's hanging on the cross fighting for his life. And he changes. Matter of fact, he changes so much that the other guy keeps running his mouth. And this one finally said, Hey, can I preach a, can I preach Christyle? Shut up! You're getting on my nerves. And he said, what? Shut up. You deserve what you get. Hey, but you were just, no, I know what I was saying earlier, but I ain't saying it anymore. I used ink. See, it's Chris version. What are you talking about? You not watch this guy and hurt him? We deserve what we get, but this man's done nothing wrong. And then he looks at the guy who's a, being executed like a criminal who he's just mocking and now looks into him and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now listen, that guy went from total disbelief to saying, I know you're about to die on this cross, but I believe you're coming back to life and you're gonna have a kingdom. Can I be part of it? That's what God does for you. He radically changes your life. And here's the third thing that you can hear from Jesus that is so wonderful. Today, you will be with me. In paradise. And let me just tell y'all, when your final day comes, whether the rapture happens today or you die, the greatest thing you want to happen is when you breathe your last. Jesus is standing there waiting on you to say, come on, today you will be with me in paradise. He saved others. That was his mission. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The angel said to Gabriel and to Mary, call his name Jesus. Come on, help me here. For he will save his people from their sins. That's right. And it was true, whether they believed it or not, that Jesus could have saved himself. That's what they said. Save yourself, save yourself. Can I just talk about that for a minute? Although he was robed with flesh and a man, he still had divine power. He was still the son of God. Let me just tell you some things that happened in his life. One day he went back to his hometown A prophet is not without honor, saving his own country and his own household. He went back to his hometown. They couldn't get past the carpenter's son. They couldn't see him, see, the flesh. They couldn't get past the flesh to see that he was God. And so he says something, and they go crazy, and a mob grabs him and drags him to a cliff. They're going to throw him off the cliff and kill him. And in that moment when he's tossed and grabbed by a crowd, He releases enough divine power that everybody in that mob freezes, is paralyzed, and can't move. And he turns around, walks right through the crowd, and says, see you later. Go eat lunch. I'll be back someday. Not today. You're not going to kill me. And he just walked off and left them standing there going, what just happened? Because he was God. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the soldiers came from the temple. These were the temple soldiers, not Roman soldiers. And they came to arrest him. They said, they came looking. And Jesus said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And read the Bible. Well, in the gospel says, he said, I am. Now, your Bible says, I am he. But he is italicized. It's not in there. He said, I am. Now, we know that from the Old Testament, I am is the Bible name of God, the, is the covenant name of God. I am. And when he did, read it. It's there. You have to read it. All the soldiers, like you ever watch like a sci-fi channel, and like this force comes out and knocks people down. You know, that's what happened. Divine power came out and knocked everyone of them down on the on the ground. And Jesus standing looking at them, and they're stunned and dazed, and they get up. and I love it because Jesus, is like, now who y'all looking for? Read it. It's there in the Bible. And they said, oh, uh, uh, "Jesus of Nazareth," and he and Nazareth, and he answers them differently this time. He said, "I better not knock you down again. You might not arrest me." See, he had power. In Matthew twenty six fifty three, Jesus declared, "Do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and He will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels?" Now I looked up a legion is a Roman military group comprised of 6,000 soldiers. So if you have 12 times 6, that's 72. 72 72,000 angels. He could have called for 72,000 angels to come deliver him, and nobody would have stood in their way. As a matter of fact, there's a story in 2 Kings 19, I put it in my notes, where one angel showed up a city was, the people of God were surrounded by an army of 185,000 Assyrian army, ready to kill every one of them. And God sends one angel, and that night he killed 185,000 Assyrians. If one angel can do that, what do you think 72,000 could do? They, Jesus could have come off that cross, an angelic force could have wiped out every enemy, he would have been instantly healed, and he could have gone on his way. He could have saved himself, but he didn't do it. He chose to stay on the cross and die. And the answer or the question should be why? Here's the answer. It's very simple preaching. Not here, not here to impress anybody. I'm here to hopefully reach somebody. If he saved himself, he could never save us. It's that simple. This was the only way. So let me just talk to believers, born-again children of God in here today. Listen to me. If he had saved himself, you would still be in your sins. That's a terrible thought, isn't it? You would be living under the heavy weight of guilt and shame. You might be in jail. Some of you might be in prison, incarcerated. Some of you might be in a drug rehab or an alcohol rehab. Some of you might be in a crack house today. And some of you might be in hell right now if he had saved himself. Now let me just talk to people today that if you're not saved, you're a sinner. If Jesus had saved himself, if Jesus had saved himself off the cross, he would not be able to save you today. But he didn't save himself because he came on a mission to save you. I'm talking to you today. He came, he did all that with you in mind to pay the price for your sins, to free you from the power of your sins and to wash you and cleanse you and make you right with God and and make you where you can serve God And so because he did not save himself, you can be washed and cleansed. Because he did not save himself, you can be justified. You can be made right with God. Because he did not save himself, you can be forgiven. You can be filled with peace and joy and love and all the guilt and fear and shame can be gone permanently. Because he did not save himself, you can be transformed into a good and righteous person who loves God and actually loves people. because he did not save himself. When you die, you get to go to heaven and spend eternity with the Lord and all the other people he saved. Anybody ever heard of the C.S. Lewis story, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe? Anybody ever watched the movie? C.S. Lewis was total, I think he was an atheist, skeptic of Christianity, and God saved him And he became this great apologist for the faith. That's why a lot of times you'll hear preachers talk about C.S. Lewis. The man was phenomenal. He was was an English man. And he wrote The Lion, the the, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, The Chronicles of Narnia. That's his work. And he did it because he wanted to use a creative way to share the story of Jesus. So if you know about the story, for those of you who don't, then just I'll tell you it for the rest of us. We'll kind of get into it. There's this lion. His name is Aslan. And he represents Jesus. And then there's the witch. And the witches are always bad. And that the witch represents the devil and Sid and all that's evil in the world. And then there's the wardrobe. And that's that's the way that the children, there are four children that they can get to Narnia. Come on, it's fiction. Though it would be cool to walk into a wardrobe and go somewhere. And so they would end up in Narnia. Well, how the story goes is that one of the children, Edmund, gets sucked in by the witch and becomes enslaved to the witch and the only way Edmund can be delivered is if Aslan dies because she hates Aslan because Aslan's good and he's the king and so Aslan the lion makes an agreement that he will die for Edmund so that Edmund can be free and you know who Edmund is it's you Edmund is me and so the picture that I pulled to show you on the screen is that, is that this is, this is from the movie and, and there's Aslan the lion and the mythical, evil mythical creatures humiliate him and shave his mane just like, the, just like the insulted Jesus when he was on the cross. Very similar. And then the witch has a knife. And if you watch the movie, it's very moving. I mean, you're, you're just wrenching your heart. And she thrusts the knife into the lion and she kills Aslan. And you know that the, that the correlation is that that's Jesus dying on the cross to free us from our sins. By the way, Aslan gets up. That's next Sunday, Sermon. <laughs> Lewis wants to impact us with the love and the selflessness of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice for our sins. There's something poignant about one person sacrificing their life for another person. Whether it's in reality or whether it's in a movie or in a book, it's usually one person who has a deep love for another person who deeply loves them back. And so a lot of times in movies, I'm a big movie aficionado. You'll see the one person giving their life. The one person jumps in front of the arrow or the bullet to take it, you know, for the other person because they care for the other person. That's usually how it works. But in this story with Jesus, it doesn't fit because Jesus deeply loved us. But we didn't love him back. We hated him. In other words... He sacrificed himself for people who hated him, rebelled against him, denied his very existence, rejected his rule, and despised his interference in their lives. People who considered him an enemy. That makes what he did even more amazing. I want to show you a scripture on the cross, and I'm about to close this message. It's in Romans chapter five, verses six through eight. For when we were still without strength, In due time, in just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. (laughs) He died for me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, and yet, perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Here's the verse that's one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like You don't come to God and God says, straighten up your act and then I'll save you. Get get your mess straightened out. Get your act together and come back and we'll talk about it. No. No, you come. What does the old hymn say, just as I am? You just just come as you are with your mess. Because, see, if you try to straighten up your mess, all you're going to do is make a bigger mess. But Jesus is The person who straightens up our messes and we come with our mess and he turns it into a miracle. The same Holy Spirit that was there at creation creating order out of all that chaos in Genesis 1-1 is the same Holy Spirit who comes into the chaos of your sin-filled life and when the blood of Jesus washes it all away, he comes in and turns you out of the ashes. There's something beautiful. You get up and you're like, what has happened in me? I don't know, but it's awesome. He gave his life on an old rugged cross because he loves you, and you didn't deserve what he did for you, right? But that doesn't matter because it's done. And God is ready to forgive you and cleanse you today on the basis of his son's sacrifice. All you have to do is simply trust in what he did for you. Trust in what I'm preaching today is the truth embrace it repent turn from your sins ask God to forgive you and he will do it everything I just said he will do it he's done it for hundreds of us in here he will save your soul and he'll change your life I want you to stand with me this morning as I was wrapping up this message the Lord gave me this and they've got it on a screen and I really just want to finish the message before I give you an opportunity to pray with this when it comes to your life, and, and listen, this is especially for obviously for people that if you're not saved today, maybe you're backslidden. Listen to me. That's what God gave me. I'm putting it up on the screen. When it comes to your life, don't let His ultimate sacrifice go to waste and count for nothing. Don't do it. You've heard today what He did for you, don't discount that and kick it like a can. Wad it up like a piece of paper and throw it in the trash. Let God take that and do something in your heart, and your mind, and your life, and your spirit right now. Think about it. Let God work on you with this. He gave his life for you. If he did that, then your response is you need to give him your life today. That's what I did. That's what a lot of people in this room did. Anybody in this room have regrets for getting saved? I don't see a hand. Anybody glad they did it? Put your hand. Anybody go back into sin right now? If they give you a million dollars, would you just ditch Jesus and go back into sin? Let me see a hand. Anybody? Two million. Ten million. Hundred million. A billion dollars. Would you go back into sin? Nope. Not me. Because you can't put Jesus' blood is worth a whole lot more than a billion dollars. Relationship with God is worth a whole lot more than a billion dollars. Eternity in heaven is worth more than a billion dollars. Take your money and keep it. Say, come on, Pastor, are you serious? A billion dollars? Yep. Because one of these days, I'm going to be in heaven walking on streets, paved not with asphalt but gold, walking through gates of pearl, I don't need a billion dollars to go back into sin when I'm going to get everything I ever want and need from Jesus, my Savior. Why would I want to take that deal? I'm just telling you today, nobody in this room but back out on him. Because he gave his life for us, we're giving our lives for him. So with every head bowed, every eye closed to create an atmosphere and and a safe place for some people who might need to get saved or come back to Jesus, and I will not belabor this, so I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not going to labor this. I'm not going to beg you, and I'm not going to labor, because I believe in the in the saving work of God and the Holy Ghost. And if God's working on people, he's working on you right now. We had people in the first service pray for the, you. If you say, Pastor Chris, every head bowed, nobody looking. Say, Pastor Chris, you have preached to me today. God has sent me up, and I want to get saved. I, I've listened to this. I want to get saved. I want to give my life to him. I want to get right today. Today, I want to get right with God. I want you to throw your hand up high and let me see it. Hold it up and hold it till I, I recognize it. Anybody in this house, I'm looking. Anybody? Raise your hand up. Pastor, I want to get saved today because I'm going to help you. We're going to pray. Anybody in this house, don't you be in shame. Don't be embarrassed. Raise your hand. Anybody? Anyone? Nobody's raising their hand. That means one of two things. That means either everybody in here is right with God. Or there's some people that are not going to do it because they're not ready. Might be some folks are embarrassed. I don't know. But what I do know is you've heard the gospel today. And you're accountable now. Walk out of here and shrug him off if you want, but you've heard the gospel today. And the Lord will use that to work on you because he loves you and he's not going to give up on you. Maybe there's somebody right now watching online because I know the Lord gave me this message. Maybe there's somebody watching online right now at home or wherever you are that you need to get your life right with the Lord. All you have to do is bow your head. You can turn that den or living room or wherever you are, you can turn it into an altar right now and say, Jesus, please forgive me and come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. Take my sins away and he'll do it You'll be glad you did. It'll be the most wonderful decision you've ever made in your life. I'm telling you, you will feel and know the change. When peace, joy, and love fill your heart, you'll get this stupid smile on your face. How many of of y'all remember the stupid smile you got on your face when God saved you because of the joy? I had a woman approach me after the first service who has someone very special that she loves that doesn't know Jesus and they're in hospice and they desperately need the gospel. She said, Pastor, you've given me exactly what I need and I'm gonna go visit them today and I'm gonna share what you shared today. I want somebody to get saved every Sunday. Somebody might get saved today yet. If God saves you, let us know. But here's what I know is you've been equipped today with the gospel if God opens a door this week, walk through it. Don't be afraid. of. I may not get it all right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. You can't mess it up. You can't mess it up. Just tell them your story and tell them Jesus' story. You can't mess it up because it's not you anyway. It's him. He'll do the work. I want you to lift your hands all over this church if you're saved, and I want you to one more time thank him for the ultimate sacrifice. Come on, thank him. I want you to be sincere. Don't you do, don't don't be flippant right now. Thank you, Jesus. You died in my place. I don't deserve it. Should be in hell right now, but you died in my place. You made a way for me. I can't even comprehend it, but I thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. We're going to leave this house today grateful. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.